Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? I hope you're getting through the week well. Here we are. It's winding down a little bit. Um, we got a little bit of week to go at the same time, though. Whew, deep breaths. We're settling in. Uh, DMs always open. You got a DM for us dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Uh, it's interesting. So through the course of different social media posts and topics on the show, and also things that are just kind of out there in the ethers, uh, narcissism is something that a lot of people are talking a lot about. It's fascinating to hear it more and more and more. Narcissistic abuse. Are you dating a narcissist? How to deal with a narcissistic parent? And I think it's a word that we're overusing or misapplying. I think it's a term that we're weaponizing as a way to other and and in some ways oppress. Look, I, I'm not you know siding with what some would see as the perpetrator. People are victimized by others that are very narcissistic. However, as a therapist, I do care about the impact of everything on everyone. I do care about everyone. I'm all about restorative justice, transformative justice. How can we heal the damage that was done? Bigger than that, how can we look at what it is that's creating the people that are harming? That's part of when people talk about prison abolition. It's about saying we can't just take people and when they do bad things, lock them away and never look at what is happening that is creating these people. What is happening that is making people do bad things? Why don't we go to the target, the source, the systems that are creating narcissists that are moving through the world, harming other people? Bigger than that, having empathy for the fact that these aren't supposed to be terms or diagnoses that are punishing or shaming. There's supposed to be ways to understand someone so we can help them. Hear that again. These, these diagnoses, uh, the ability, our awareness of what is narcissistic so as to determine who's a narcissist was not to be mad at them or to shame them with it or harm them. It was so that we could identify it so we could then figure out how to best work with it to heal these people. But I see people slinging it around like, you're a narcissist. So it's become weaponized. It's become a weapon that people pick up and they use against each other, but also this person who's struggling. Listen, no one wakes up one day and says, I'm going to be a narcissist. It doesn't happen like that. These are people that were raised in families where they weren't shown or taught how to be part of relationship or part of community. They weren't taught that people are safe to connect to. They aren't taught to turn to others for care and support or to offer that. They weren't shown that or taught that. You can't hold someone accountable for a skill or a personality or characterological style that they weren't given access to or shown how to internalize. These are skills. 
And narcissists are victims. They're wounded as well. Yes, they harm, but they're also harm themselves. And I do care about how these people come to be and looking at their families of origin and the attachment traumas that are there and how these individuals be, being raised in unsafe environments or environments where people are told that your worth is based on what you look like and what you produce and what you own. That is the basis of narcissism. So when we see these people on social media flashing around their watches and their cars and their clothing and their gym bodies, and they're saying, I'm better because of this, and this is what a good life is, that's part of that narcissistic idea, that ideology that traps people because it's very dehumanizing because what really matters and what is successful and what we should be holding people accountable to is what kind of person they are. What kind of ethics do they harm people? That's really what matters, not what kind of watch they have or if they have abs. None of those things matter. None of those things determine how healthy someone is mentally or how they impact others. And narcissism is about auto-regulation. It's about self-protection. We as humans need to turn to others. We are dependent on others. We turn to others for support and care. But narcissists were raised in spaces and in families where that wasn't safe to do, that wasn't normalized. People weren't available. So they started to regulate themselves. They started to rely on external things to regulate themselves, external things to make them feel good about themselves. Instead of forming relationships with people who were not safe for them, they formed relationships with things. And that's where a lot of narcissism begins. It's the head cut off from the body. They're not in their body. They're not in feelings. Feelings are unsafe. People are unsafe. That's how it begins. And it's very gendered because of how we raise people. We raise people in a gendered way, gender roles, gender training. We, we instill it. And that's why you see it more in boys, people that are raised as boys, because part of boyhood and maleness is toxic masculinity. And those toxic forms of masculinity are about shutting down feelings, not, not being empathetic or soft, always being thinking in terms of competition and winning. And, and yet what's wild is how as adults, the, the partners of these men will come into my office wanting more softness, wanting more emotionality, while often at the same time shaming it. Oh, I heard something scary downstairs. I'm going to, you know, you go down and check it out. And it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. So you want them to be tough and hard, but then you also want them to be soft and sensitive. We'll shame men for crying or we'll shame men that are sensitive and we'll call it feminine, which anything a man does is masculine. Anything a woman does is feminine. There's no trait that is masculine. There's no trait that is only feminine. Every human has all the traits. It's just how safe is it to access those and are they allowed socially? But we shame it out of them. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about what do we do? We're going to get to the what do we do the solutions everyone's obsessed with the solutions but i want people to understand how we got there so we don't get there again we're going to come back and talk about it so uh, stick around you're listening to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be back call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Alrighty, we are back and we're talking about boys and narcissism and how all of these things are created. And it's often created in early environments. We were talking about how it wasn't safe for these individuals to be emotional or to rely on others because they were raised in a family where people weren't available or people weren't safe or people didn't make emotional processing and discussing emotions comfortable. Or the gendered part, where if you're a boy, you are touched less often as a kid, you are handled rougher, you are expected to not be very emotional or sensitive, uh, that is mocked, that is put down, you are put into sports, I'm sorry, you are put into activities that are gendered, which for most boys is at sports, so you're shoved right into competition, where girls are raised playing games face to face where they're engaging each other and they're looking at each other. They're allowed to have emotions. They're, they are touched more as children. They are handled softer. And then we wonder why these things create what they create. What do you think happens when you don't touch someone a lot, when you shame softness and emotion in them, uh, put them only in activities that are about competition? Well, what do you think that that does? That builds a person who doesn't value emotion, doesn't know how to access it, doesn't feel safe around others, and thinks everything's a competition. Like, no shocker. But then as adults, we shame it. We'll say, you're a narcissist. Well, wait a minute. You were part of creating that and part of sustaining that. I work with people that are in relationships with men, and they will openly shame them when they're sensitive, saying, oh, it's a feminine characteristic. That doesn't, that's not a real thing. Every human has every characteristic. It's just very strongly, more securely, more competently, or they're, they're more fearful of it, or it's been shamed, or they don't feel safe activating it. But anything a man does is a male behavior. Anything a female does is a female behavior. I always say that within sex. Anything two heterosexual people do is heterosexual sex because it's heterosexual people doing it. Heterosexual people can't have gay sex because they're hetero. Anything a man does is a male behavior because it's a man doing it. We need to raise people in a healthier way so that we reduce this narcissism because it does harm people. It, it, it's very hurtful to both the person themselves and to the other people in their lives. And I work with a lot of couples and a lot of children now as adults that were harmed being raised in narcissistic families. It exists in all genders, but it, there's a lot of training early on that really sets men up to be narcissistic. And that's what we're going to focus most about on the show. But this applies to everyone. So as I'm talking about these things, make sure this isn't anything that you're doing to anyone. And this is also how we work to heal ourselves. Right? So whenever we see a problematic behavior, we have to try to understand what might have happened that set someone up to live in that, in that world or to feel that way or to think that way. These aren't decisions that people just pop out and make, but yet we shame them as though it's a decision. No, this is a characterological style. This has been constructed and reinforced. And a lot of people that are narcissistic don't, don't know how to be any better. They, don't, they, they live in a certain kind of world. They don't know how to step outside of that. We need those around to help. But people will, again, weaponize it. They'll say, you need help. Oh, really? If you think someone needs help, then help them. 
but we didn't come up with these diagnoses and these terms to shame or harm. But we do it all the time. We'll call someone an addict as a way to put them down. That's not what that diagnosis is about. It's about understanding what someone's struggling with so as to understand solutions. Same thing with narcissism. That was not created to hurt people, but we use it all the time. We should use it to be self-reflective. We should use it to realize what someone might need or the wounds they might have had because narcissism is the result of trauma. People's mental health struggles are the result of traumas, relational traumas that happened early in their life, throughout adolescence, or through the duration of their life. And sadly, because of these psychological styles, people enter in relationships and a lot of the same things that created it are sustained and maintained and so it doesn't get healed. And so, yes, we have to be very thoughtful about dating people that are really high on the narcissistic scale because it's going to be very difficult. But they are not people that aren't worthy of healing and they're not, they are not people that aren't worthy of care. And I see that coming up on these IG pages around, you know, narcissistic abuse and don't date a narcissist and how to tell if your husband's a narcissist. The narcissists themselves are like, okay, well, I'm identifying that maybe I'm that person, but it doesn't feel safe to try to get help or healing because I'm being attacked. And so we do have to help the victims and we have to help the narcissist who themselves is a victim of early trauma. Just like addicts, people who have a problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol are victims of trauma. It's trauma. We know it's trauma that leads to a problematic use of drugs and alcohol. They need help not to be kicked out of their house and kicked out of treatment and made fun of and put down with these terms like addict. That's why I don't use the word addict. It's a pejorative. It's stigmatizing. I talk about people's relationship to drugs and alcohol, and sometimes it's difficult and problematic, and other times it's not, and we try to help heal that. Well, that's the same thing with people's personality styles or relational styles. Someone who's afraid of tapping into their emotions and the emotions of other, someone who's afraid to be vulnerable because they've never been shown that it's safe or around safe people to do that with, they're, they're, they're living in fear. It's an anxiety and so the work is about creating safe spaces where they can maybe practice some of that softness and some of that feeling. Not every, not every narcissist wants to do that work, but a lot do. But all men in our culture need a lot of healing. That I can say, because we've been traumatized, traumatized by being raised as men. Yes, it's a trauma because we're not allowed to be our full and total authentic selves. We are told we have to live a certain way because we have a certain anatomy. And it's shamed if we go outside of those lines. That is not mental health. And when I post things like that, I get these bizarre DMs with all these wild theories. And it's like, I'm just trying to help people be their authentic selves because that's mental health. But if we're shaming and ignoring or shutting down parts of ourselves, that is not mental health. And that's what gender training does. To be a man, you have to do these things. That is not mental health. That is not authentically living your total and full self. And anything other than that, we have to battle. So we're looking at these people as humans. We're working on how can we help them reconnect. We're trying to produce new experiences. But more important than trying to just fix everyone that's already been raised in this culture, we're going to go back to the beginning and say, how can we start raising our children and our boys differently so that they never grow up to be narcissistic or toxically masculine? Because that's the cultural work. Let's just raise people to be good people and to just be themselves. And that's going to look a variety of ways. And it's okay to look a variety of ways. It's okay to live your life creatively in terms of your emotional expression. My God, we all have that need. That's not a female need. And I hate these studies that are trying to look at bunk evolutionary psychology, which I do not support, and try to use these theories of how things were as to why we are the way we are. We all have access to these traits. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, keep talking about it. So stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. 
Alrighty, we are back and we're talking about something that is very important to me and that's helping people just be themselves. Sounds so simple, but in our culture, we have to perform all these roles. And anytime we're trying to follow a standard, we're trying to fulfill a role, we're moving away from who we are and that's a trauma. So if we have to perform good father or this professional role or have to be a boy, that is again, trying to force someone into a subscribed, prescribed set of ways of being, thinking and feeling and that's not mental health. Mental health is how do we get back to you feeling the way you feel, having full access to all your feelings. I, I shared this with you guys a long time ago. There was a study that was done and you can replicate this. It's quite fascinating. And not only do we see, you know, kids aisles where finally toys are just blended in some places or like here's toys and whatever object of plastic because all toys are generally plastic and metal whatever plastic objects look fun to you go get it and play with it there's no such thing as boys toys or girls toys that is something that's been decided ahead of time by adults kids just want to play with things but we raise them. And even when people say things like, oh, my little girl, such a girl, she loves pink. That's because you keep putting her in pink and putting her around pink and it's normal and familiar. We are not genetically pre-coded to like colors based on our genitals. It doesn't work that way. So much so that a hundred years ago, it was in inverse. Yeah, that's right, do the research. Boys were wearing red and pink because that was seen as regal. Girls were wearing blue. We are not born genetically driven towards colors tied to our gender. We're driven towards preferring colors, but boys are not blue and girls are not pink. That is something we socially shifted about a hundred years ago. And then we always put them in and around those things. The minute we know someone's gender, we start putting them in certain colors and handling them differently and talking to them differently, putting certain pieces of plastic toys around them. But we somehow think that that's innate. We also some, somehow think that that's an important part of psychological development. It isn't. What matters is that kids have caregivers that are accessible and responsive. What matters is that kids have caregivers that let them feel their emotions. It doesn't matter if they're a boy or a girl. If they're sad, they're allowed to be sad. We're going to talk more about that. Letting them play with whatever they want. Stop separating them out. Letting boys have friends that are girls, girls that are friends that are boys so they can learn how to engage with each other and stop separating them out and creating this false division and this mystique that makes them unaware and unprepared to deal with each other. We don't need to do that. That's not real. That's not honest. So we're trying to just raise people as themselves and getting out of our heads in that way. But here's the biggest thing I want you to hear me say to all the teachers out there and the parents, don't be your child's first bully. But unfortunately, some parents and educators become the child's first bully when they're not supporting all of them, when they're trying to force them to play a role based on what they're wearing and what they're playing. I remember that as a child. My parents were always trying to force me into sports. Why? I didn't like it. I was more interested in art, music, and academics. Let me be myself. I built a career on it. Luckily, they backed off. But imagine what trauma that would have been. They kept forcing me to perform good child or good man in the way that they thought I needed to. I built a great life just being myself. Support that. You don't want to be your child's first bully where they look back being like, wow, they didn't just support who I was. They were always trying to force me to be something. We also separate children out way too soon from their parents and boys quicker and sooner. They need more connection. Caregivers need to stay close and connected. We're so obsessed with independence. 
but we need to focus more on relationality and interdependence. If you're not aware of that, I'll tell you, I work with them later down the road in therapy and as adults in marriages. They then struggle to do that because they were never allowed to have that. We thought boys especially had to be separated away from their family, especially the mother as soon as possible. Well, where do you think he gets these relational skills from? While playing you know, competitive sports, always focusing on competition and winning? No. Then during dating, where yet again, these men are trying to be good men and follow prescribed roles and not able to be themselves and are separated out from women and see them as the opposite or the other. Where do you think these skills of how to be interdependent relational emerge? They're supposed to emerge back in childhood when we let our kids cry and we hold them and we don't separate from them until they're ready. Children are forced away from their caregivers way too soon. And that's, and that's abuse. And many parents I work with are like, I don't feel ready. And I'm like, honor that. Ignore what you're being told. Go with your intuition and your instincts. Stay close, stay connected. Even as your child's off way college, they can form other and new relationships within their age brackets to hit those social developmental milestones while still having you present and having a relationship with them. That isn't smothering. Don't be smothering about it, but you can still be present and part of in a very loving, available way. But normative standards force many to ignore these natural impulses to stay close and connected to their kids. Follow your impulses. Those are healthy. Effective dependence is healthy. We need that throughout our entire life. Normalize that. And I use the word effective because it isn't smothering. It isn't infantilizing. It doesn't make them not realize they can do some things on their own with us being there on the sides, waving them, you know, cheering them on. We let them stumble, we let them learn, we let them grow, we let them go off and explore, but we're still that safe base that sends them off with encouragement and we're still that secure haven that they can come back to for care and support whenever it's needed. So we're always there. We're just not maybe woven throughout as a primary, you know, in a primary role, but we're still very much there and available. They need to know that, we tell them that, we show them that. All right, let's take a break. We're going to do some DMs, bam, bam, bam. And then we'll come back and keep talking about this. So uh, you got a DM for us. You know the drill by now. Drop those DMs in our Loveline IG page. We'll be back there. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All righty, we are back. Now it's time to uh, slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are brought to you from our Loveline IG page. If you've got a question for us, drop it in our Loveline IG. Topics you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into, we are always happy to hear from you. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Alicia, and I have two kids, 10 and 12, and they're both great. Independent kids, especially because I have to work. All right, well, independence uh, is important on one level. We wanna make sure though that there's also a healthy level of dependence. So I'm glad you're working. I hope when you are um, around that you're focusing a lot on connection. Because uh, again, children need reliable, consistent, responsive. And of course, as we work, we can still be that. I just, a flag goes up when people overuse the word independence. as so though that means like separate and on their own. Uh, children obviously need to learn and are able to uh, take care of themselves if you're focused on working, but independence is an interesting word. Nonetheless, you said the other day, I overheard my youngest talking to his friend about their parents when my youngest said, I've only ever had one mom. She does her best, but sometimes I wish I had a dad. Broke my heart. Part of me now feels pressure to find someone while the other part of me just wants to talk to them about it. It's a conversation. I, I think, you know, we very much live in a comparison culture and we have, you know, very much normalized uh, a mom and a dad, two parents. And so it's understandable that children notice that absence 
and think that something's missing. When things look different, we often think it's bad, but different isn't bad. And just because there's one caregiver versus two doesn't mean they'd be better off with two. I work with a lot of individuals who were raised in families where they had two caregivers and it was still very traumatic and toxic because of one of them or maybe both of them. The number of caregivers doesn't promise anything. What does is the quality of that caregiving. Again, I try to repeat the same terms so we can really get them down. What children need are reliable, consistent, available, responsive caregivers. It can be one, it can be three, it can be all men, it can be all women, it doesn't matter. They need certain psychological and emotional things provided, resources. And as a single mother, you might very much be able to do that. Many do. And so most likely them saying, I wish I had a dad is based on the fantasy they have of what a dad will provide based on what they see on television or what they see with their friends. Everyone wants to be like their friends, but it's not, you know, it's also very possible that none of their friends' fathers are are available. And it's just that they happen to have one and your son not having one, he notices that as absence or loss and assumes it's bad. We also romanticize what we see on television, but that's often not what anyone's mom or dad actually looks like or what it's like to have. So... At their age, they're operating off of the loss that they notice because the others have something they don't. And number two, they have a fantasy of what a dad would provide. But maybe the dad you find for them is going to work all the time or not be emotionally available, et cetera, et cetera, or not really bond well with them. So just finding a man or having a dad doesn't necessarily promise anything at all. It's who is this person and what do they provide? But just being a single mom and them only having you isn't necessarily good or bad. It depends on how you're able to be present and how you show up. So help them understand that, that although to not have something someone else has feels like an absence or a loss, it isn't always. And that ask them what they imagine having a dad would be like, because sometimes it's able to still have those things or for you to provide those things because having a dad doesn't mean that they'll get those things, right? So have that talk, be very honest, ask them what made them say that, let them know you heard that. What do they imagine it would be like? What do they think is missing? And you can try to step into the solution in that way, but help them understand that we, things can be the same or even sometimes just better because of one caregiver. I have to explain that to people that are just a single father or a gay couple of two dads or two moms, where I say to them, the gender doesn't matter, the number doesn't matter, it's your availability, it's your consistency, it's your reliability. That's what matters. That's what they need. So focus more on that. And and maybe also focus with your children on gratitude, looking at what they do have that others maybe don't have, what they do have that they value with a single parent or even without of that, just looking at the general scope of their life and how maybe all's well anyway. So kind of work through that with them. I think it's a really beautiful question. I think it's a really important topic. And funny enough, very much rooted in what we're generally talking about today about raising boys and what boys need and what children need and what we all need, you know, to be better adults. So great question. If you guys got a question, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, whatever you're wondering about, bam, we got answers and maybe someone's wondering the same thing. So you're helping them out too. Topics you want covered or drop, have us drop deeper into. And uh, as always, prior shows over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, they're all there. You can post, binge, re-listen, share. But we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Talking about how to raise less narcissistic people in the world, but we're specifically looking at how boys are raised and there's a trauma in maleness because of how we raise boys and the expectations we have on them. And then a lot of boys internalize that and not knowing how to work through a heal, they then sometimes harm others. 
through their narcissism, through their lack of emotional availability or presence. We have a word, lexithymia. It's people that have trouble accessing and identifying their emotions. I don't know what I feel. What could I possibly feel? I don't know what this feeling is. How do I label it? What are the possibilities? And a study was shown where they had children talk about, they put a bunch of emotions on the board. This has been done over and over. It's always the same results. And they say, all right, which of these emotions are boy emotions? And it's always the same thing. Boys are allowed to feel anger, frustrated, all those things. But the softer emotions, being scared, you know, um, what were the, I can't even remember exactly the terms, but it was like, you know, being afraid, being anxious, being scared. Anything that was like softer, more gentler. Nope. Only those are women emotions. Think about what kind of trauma that is where part of you is being taken away from you. You're not allowed to feel from half of your feelings because you're not a real man. If you are toughen up, that's trauma. That's trauma. That's narcissism. You're literally pulling them out of their body and emotions and into their head. Keep your eye on the prize, earn money. Go out there and earn money. Make your worth tied to money and cars and watches and getting girls. You are traumatizing and you are inserting that narcissism by thinking in those terms. And I see those pages all the time on IG. It's about optimization and success. Success is about mental health. Success is about learning how to be more loving and in relationship because we're relational beings. That's all we do. We always have multiple relationships as a friend, a family member, every song, movie, books about relationship. But magically, somehow, we think success is about the kind of watch on your arm and the kind of car you drive. None of that has to do with mental health. In fact, it's often the opposite. None of that helps you be a better partner or learn how to heal that. What are we doing? But yet we keep reinforming. I keep seeing these pages about, you know, how to be a man. It's a bunch of men going off into the woods, literally trying to reinforce stereotypes. There's no room for the alternative perspectives. The minute we start using that word, we're already aligning with a list of terms or concepts or behaviors that we're trying to enforce. The, all the work should be, let's just get back to who we are authentically. And whatever that looks like is what it looks like. And sometimes it's going to look the way that maybe some women typically present emotionally or relationally. We want to raise good men. We want to raise good partners. We want to raise good friends. We want to raise good fathers. How do you think a father steps into fatherhood, never being allowed to be relational or soft or a caregiver in his entire life because he has to go out and earn things. He always has to be tough. He's never allowed to be soft or sensitive. He was touched less as a child, handled rougher, never sat down and taught all these things. But when a baby's born, he's supposed to naturally step in and know how to be a caregiver. Fathers are great caregivers. They have the ability. That is not the only inability that a mother has. That is not true. Fathers have the, all the abilities that are needed to be a good caregiver. Because what makes a good caregiver is being available and responsive. That's what kids need. Kids need reliable, consistent, available, responsive people. Doesn't matter their gender. That's what they need. But if we don't raise people knowing how to do that because we tell them instead to focus on grades at school and the job they get and the car they have, where do they learn how to focus and prioritize emotions and relationship? Because in that, in that trajectory, we've robbed them of that. We support that in women. Women are raised to believe and be excited for marriage and relationships and friendships and girlfriend stuff and all that. Guys aren't given that opportunity. And when they try to do it, they're often shamed. When I see these pages that are trying to rescue masculinity, it's just them reinforcing and strengthening all of the issues and problems. We need to get back to being relational beings. That should be what success is. That's what mental health is. That's what I wish we were all working on. You know, the successful transition to autonomy in adulthood is for children and adolescents facilitated by having emotional connections with their caregivers. Because remember, narcissism is relational avoidance. And that's driven by a fear of connection and intimacy. How do you think people get a fear of connection and intimacy? Because it's never presented to them. 
They're never given those opportunities. This is, this is something that can be taught, but we often deny it. So we have to stop toughening. We have to stop forcing separation. We have to stop over, over legitimizing competition, right? We have to keep people close, remain on their journey and a part of their life. Keep talking about the importance and the prioritization of relationality and how people are treated. That means more. That's what I wish we were focusing on in school, at home, not teaching people to overvalue work and productivity to the detriment of their mental health and their relationships. Because a lot of these relational issues that couples come into my office struggling with are born out of boys being built for only competition and the forced separation, right? And then they meet a girl whose life has been organized around relationality and emotionality and mutual responsiveness. And this is confusing. So the shaming of emotional expression means that these people, men, live only half their lives. They can't live from their total full self. We have to preserve that. So there are tips. When we come back, we're going to break down how do we work with boys differently? How do we raise them differently? And this is for all caregivers. This is also for teachers. This is also for friends and family members. So we're going to kind of bullet point some of it because it's important stuff and we really can create this change. Um, And this is also something that people in the gay community, the queer community, the trans community, they also have different struggles. But luckily for some of them, without this toxic script of being hetero or straight, they're forced to then create their own. And creating their own is usually more community-based, more inclusive, more creative, more diversified, more community-based. It's beautiful. We'll be back. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And as promised, we're going to just zero in on some of the bullet points, key takeaways as to ways that we can raise healthier boys, boys that are able to be their total full selves, raising boys out of this standard traumatic narcissistic pathway that we place them on, helping them reconnect with themselves so they can reconnect with others, helping them connect with others so they can reconnect with themselves, helping them reconnect with others so they can reconnect with even more others. It's all about connection versus disconnection. And early caregivers are going to play that primary role. Follow your gut instincts. Parents, don't separate from your child until you think that you're ready and they're ready. Always be present, age appropriate, developmentally, you know, keeping an eye on all that. But you can be there on the sidelines, again, as a secure base that encourages them to go off into the world because they know that you're a safe haven that they can come back to and that you're always available. But you're letting them grow up. You're letting them challenge themselves. But you're still very present. I love when people say, when, you know, my mom or my dad is one of my best friends. That's beautiful. There's no reason that can't be. But we can't complain as adults about what we raised and forced throughout the duration of someone's life. So the first thing we want to think about when we're trying to raise better, healthier individuals, but specifically boys and men, the first thing you want to think about if you are the partner of a man, because remember, you are responsible for how you impact the people that are in relationships with you. And you do need to think about helping heal that and not be another bully in their life. So the first thing we're doing is we're, we're looking for the hiding of feelings. Hiding feelings is usually done because someone hasn't been shown or taught that it's safe and acceptable to show feelings. So if your child isn't showing a lot of feelings, it's very possible that it's because you and the others around the child aren't doing it yourselves and you're not helping them do it. So just know that that's the first goal, looking for times when as a family or your child is hiding feelings because that's the shaming, the continued shaming. 
We want them to know that whatever you feel is acceptable. All feelings are valid and we can always express it. We express it appropriately, but we can always express it. So that's the first thing. And the way we really bolster that is by not shaming feelings. We have to start celebrating them. You're sad. It looks like you're sad. It's okay to be sad. That's how we celebrate it. Sadness is part of life. We don't need to be afraid of that. You look frustrated or that looks like that really scared you. Fear is acceptable. I get scared sometimes. We have to celebrate it. It's also we have to do with transness and gayness. We have to celebrate it. We're not accepting feelings. We're not accepting different gender and sexual identities. We're celebrating them because there's nothing wrong with these things. And if there's nothing wrong with something, we celebrate it. Just like we're working on celebrating sexuality. So look for your child or your male hiding feelings and then realize and ask yourself, am I part of that? Am I shutting it down? Do I express my feelings? And when they express their feelings, do I celebrate it or do I shame it or avoid it? Start celebrating it, amplify it, sit in it, talk more about it. Also, we have to stop normalizing gendered stereotypes. Stop talking about what boys do and girls do. Stop trying to force them to be a boy or a girl. Just focus on who they are in front of you and letting them feel their feelings. So we're moving away from gendered stereotypes. That's not honest or real. So we're not hiding feelings, we're celebrating them, we're encouraging the full expression of all emotions. Whenever someone expresses an emotion, it's always tell me more. Where do you feel that in your body? And you sit in a very open, curious way. Emotions are healthy, they are our communicators. They're how our body and our psyche communicates to us that we need something. We have to connect to them. If we can't connect to ourselves and our feelings, we can't connect to other people and we can't connect to their feelings. So we have to start with ourselves. But the environment within which we're living and how safe feelings are and how they're talked about and how they're treated, that matters. That lets us know if it's safe to express and celebrate or if we have to keep it hidden and quiet. So make sure you are part of creating environments where it is appropriate and healthy to express. So again, we're not hiding and we're looking for the hiding and then we're trying to pull it out. We're celebrating, we're encouraging a full expression. It's not about always being happy. So stop saying toxic, positive things like always look on the bright side, always be happy. Sometimes things just suck and it's okay to say that. That's horrible. Okay, we're not, it's called spiritual bypassing or psychological bypassing when we ignore all healthy emotions because all of them are healthy. Emotions aren't good or bad. They just are, but we think some of them are bad and we're always trying to get away and out of them. If someone's crying and you hand them tissues, you're shutting them down. If someone's crying and you're like, you'll be fine, you're shutting them down. If you, someone's crying and you say things happen for a reason, again, you're shutting them down. You are not creating a safe space to engage them, to celebrate them. Your answer should be, tell me more. Where, where do you feel that? Where do you feel that in your body? Sit open, sit, sit encouraging. We want to sit and talk about feelings. I think there's also something really thoughtful and I want you to hear this. Always connect before you correct. A lot of times with parenting or caregiving, or even as teachers, we go right for the correction. Don't do that. Well, that wasn't right. And that's traumatizing. You need to connect first, connect and then correct. And we also need to do this as adults. You don't wanna come in hot, or you don't wanna come in harsh. As adults, the difference is we always say, use a soft startup. If you come in soft, you have a better chance of it staying soft. But if you come in hot, most likely it's gonna stay hot or get hotter. You, how you enter something determines the success of it. So you do have control over other people's responses in a lot of ways, and that's one of them. Connect with your child before you jump into a correction. So they start to see you as safe, and they can hear your correction, and they understand that that's part of healthy relationships is someone else expressing an, their own emotions or their need. And as adults, we do that by using a soft startup. We don't come in hot. 
with name calling and attacking. We come in loving and soft. You sit down and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? You hold their hands and look at them and say, so how are you? Like you connect, how's your day going? Good, all right, well, I'm glad we're sitting here, babe. I wanna to talk to you, okay, tell me. You know, it hurt my feelings last night when blah, blah, blah. We connect, we connect first and then we correct. It stays soft, why? Because if your goal is just to get it done and to fix it and get it out, then you're not being healthy, you're not being relational. You have to think relationally first that what I say impacts my partner and the quality of our relationship. And I'm always assessing that because the quality of our relationship matters most. And so I connect first because I care about how we feel as a result of this or after this. So you connect and then you correct, but children really need that. All right, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and finish this out, finish up going through these bullet points. So uh, stick around for that. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing off how to raise healthier boys, how to raise healthier children. We're talking about connect, then correct. Um, also reframe strength and courage in relational emotional terms. Strength and courage aren't again about work and the gym and watches and cars, it's about care and compassion. Let's make that courage and strength, having the strength and the courage to care about those that are around you and how you impact them. Also, sometimes we need to give a little space it can be overwhelming for certain people that haven't been raised around a lot of emotionality. And so I always tell people we can bond through activities and through activities and doing, that's sometimes the best way to try to start to talk about feelings of what's going on in people's lives. It gives a little space. Also be a role model. Role model your own emotional experience and expression. That's, that's, that's part of creating a home or a marriage that's emotionally healthy is you role model it. You start creating the kind of relationship you want. You want a relationship with more vulnerability and emotional expression, have at it, start doing it. It will normalize. And your partner or your child through you doing it will be doing it with you. Because when you express to them, they're, they're forced to feel, they're forced to tolerate, they're forced to learn how to accept and sit with and sit in. And then they start feeling. So model it, role model it. Be more emotionally present and available and expressive yourself. Start talking about how you feel. But again, not just the positive, the happy, the joyful. Also share when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're sad, when you're scared. Letting them know that it's okay to feel those things, that we don't need to fix them. Those things don't need fixing. We have to, we have to sit with them. Those are always part of life. doesn't matter if we're medicated or not. We will still feel these things. Medication's job isn't to remove feeling. It's to shave down the sharp edges of it the amplification, but we want to still feel and express those feelings. Mixed gendered play. Please stop gender specific play. Don't separate boys over here, girls over there. Let kids just blend. Let them learn skills from each other. Let them learn how to interface with each other. Let them play together. Let them have access to all the different kinds of ways children play. Stop saying boys over there doing boy stuff, girls over here doing girl stuff. That's trauma. That's not real. That's not honest. Let them just play and learn how to socialize. Also be more affectionate with boys. Boys need as much hugging, kissing, and holding as the girls do. Boys sometimes need more because they're definitely not getting it out in the world. They're still expected to be tougher and to handle things. Where girls are like, oh, girls, go sit down. The boys have this, which again is saying, be tough. Always be on guard. Always be the protector. Don't ever be vulnerable. It's trauma. And if you use gender terms, make them more expansive, encouraging all activities and interests Talk to your child just about just living how, how they are and who they are. And then we broaden it to the rest of the world. More open communication in general. More accessibility and responsiveness. Sit and talk with the people in your life about what you're feeling. When your child or your husband 
or your best friend is upset, don't send them off to be alone. That is the narcissism. Don't say, go play a video game. Oh, go, go shoot some hoops. Stop sending them off alone. Say, let's sit and talk or I'll go play basketball with you and we can talk more. Let's go for a walk together. Be present. Start building in more relationality as solutions. Stop sending them off on their own. That's how you walk them back into emotions are scary. People aren't available for emotional processing and always regulate on your own. That's not what we're trying to do. Yes, we want them to learn how to self-regulate, but that comes out of us co-regulating and doing it with them. They internalize those skills. They learn how to not be afraid of that. They do it with us. So provide that support, provide that protection. We can change all this, but we have to start from the beginning. We have to change the culture around all this. We have, to, <clears throat> we have to raise all of our children differently. We have to raise our girls to not shame those attribute in boys. We have to raise our girls to understand that those things exist for boys. We have to raise our girls to have relationships with boys from the beginning. We can do all of this. We can be better, but we have to stop shaming people that are narcissists. Yes, we need to maybe set boundaries. Yes, maybe we can't be in a romantic relationship with them because it's too toxic for us, but we don't throw them away like they're broken people. Everyone has the right to heal and to be healed and to be cared for. And we have to start presenting it as such. So it's okay to say, I can't date this person. They're too narcissistic. It's okay to say it was too much for my friendship, but we do still have to do it with empathy and love. We do still have to offer resources and we do have to start doing better so that these people aren't built. We build and create all of these issues that we want to get rid of and that we shame in others. And we can be a part of that process. We have to be. So we'll talk more about it. But, I, but this was important because I keep seeing on a lot of people's social media, this shaming and targeting of narcissistic individuals, not ever looking at how we all create them from the door and maintain it. Because we all have a role in that. These people don't exist in isolation. This isn't genetics. This is socialization. This is the lack of resources that their caregivers are giving them and the world is denying them. And then as adults, they're confused. I, I experience it all the time. I bump into it all the time. I feel myself out in the world sometimes afraid to express a vulnerable emotion because someone's seeing me as a man and expecting different from me. And so every time a man cries in public, every time a man shows softness, every time a man is relational, that's a radical and revolutionary act. But so is letting the men in your life be soft, be emotional, have all the different qualities, not saying that's not a male quality. That's how you traumatize. Don't be a bully to the men in your life. Everyone needs caring and healing, and it's systemic. It helps everyone when we do this work. So let's all be better and be a part of it. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, and click on it. We'll be back, though, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Alrighty, we are back. Time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Before we get to the DM, I just want to add a little bit of a caveat <clears throat> to our earlier discussion about boys and narcissism. You know, what a, a more evolved, really healthy adult perspective when you're with someone who's struggling. If they're harming others, they're not harming others. Yes, if anyone's ever being harmed in someone's behavior, the first goal has to be about ending harm and protecting people that are harmed. And then the second step is looking at what happened to the person that created the harm? What happened that made them the kind of person that moves through the world in that way? And that's what we were talking about in the earlier segments. Looking at the trauma and the damage that built the person to be the way they are and how can we help heal that systemically so the causes end and don't and others aren't built that way, but also to help heal the individual in front of us. No one is without the ability to be helped and healed if they're open to that. And that's what that was really about, bringing that compassion. But first we always look at the victims and how can we help heal them first and how can we get people out of harm's way if in fact that's you know part of the dynamic. So just wanted to kind of bring that in. And again, for those that want to hear the rest of all that, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, click on Loveline, and you can listen to uh, the rest of the show if you miss some of it. So, But as always, like I said, time to go to those DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, drop them in there. Someone else might be wondering the same thing. So, you know, and helping yourself with some answers or helping others any topics you want us to cover things you want us to drop deeper into we're always happy to hear from you and like i said we are channel q.com is where you can go to check out earlier segments and earlier shows there's tons of amazing material over there so uh take some time spend some time with it i lovingly try to bring really relevant important stuff that i'm seeing in the world and in my practice tips tools but uh all right dm says hey dr chris i am having a very hard time controlling my anger just feels like every little thing sets me off. Do you have any tips, books, exercises? Well, first off, I just want to applaud you for being willing to work on your anger. Um, it takes a lot of consciousness, and, and that's an act of self-esteem, to want to be better, better for self, better for others. So I'm always impressed with people that reach out vulnerably, saying, help me, I'm struggling. Because not everyone does that. Some people just keep moving through the world in the same ways, harming people, not caring. So just that acceptance is already a movement towards shift. The first step of behavior change is awareness, awareness of what the problem is, awareness of what we're trying to change. Because we talked about this earlier, we're always trying to create more space between, uh, between the trigger and our reaction. And people that struggle with their anger go right from whatever sets them off right to angry response. 
But we're always trying to carve out more room between the trigger and our response. The more space we can create, it's in that space that we can be more thoughtful, that we can access other ways of respond, responding, being reminded that there's other ways to handle it, soothing and settling down. So that's what you're trying to do, create more space, not just being so impulsive and responsive. And it's in that space that we soften. So you have to track yourself. Take some time to look at what are the general high-risk situations or triggers for my anger? Because I need to know what they're going to be so that I can realize when I'm stepping into one of them or when I'm in one. So I know, all right, here's my moment. I need to find more space between that happening and me responding. And what we do in that space is we breathe. You have to learn how to breathe before you respond. That's when our executive functioning can come online and it can be more thoughtful. Some people need to go take a walk because essentially what you're doing in that space is letting your system settle down because you're already moving through the world primed for that reaction. So it takes the smallest thing or you're automatically taken there. If you're walking around the world, like you feel like you're always ready for a fight, you have to look at the kind of world you're living in and you have to work on doing practices that soften you therapy, meditation, but the bigger practice is moving through the world and in the small, easier ways, starting to practice not having to respond right away as opposed to standing there and doing something, learning how to stand there doing nothing. You practice that. When I was practicing that, AKA patience, I was trying to do it every chance I got. When I was in traffic or in a long line at a coffee shop, I'd say, this is my chance to practice patience. Let me settle down. Let me quiet my mind. Let me not run wild complaining and losing myself. So you have to practice it in the real world, get into some therapy, and also start just in general creating the kind of world that's softer for you. But I think therapy is a great place for you. If you're really at a place where you're realizing it's that hard, because for others, they just bring more attention and consciousness to it, and they track themselves. It's called having an observing ego where we're watching ourselves. So I would say every day, frame the day by saying, today I'm gonna to pay attention to what sets me off. And in those moments, I'm gonna breathe or step away and try to cool down. You're no longer gonna fire off text messages or emails when you're upset. You're gonna practice always living from a softer place, it works. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back, have an awesome weekend. Thanks for hanging out. You guys have an amazing rest of your night. Be well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.